This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan England, and I'm here with Jeremy McLiver. Welcome back, everyone. We got something a little special for you today. We don't have a guest, so Jeremy and I are going to sit down and talk about some of the challenges that we're seeing our clients go through when it comes to attracting and hiring good people. It's no secret that hiring is the number one challenge for most businesses in this country. And there's nothing indicating that it's going to get easier. So what we want to do is we want to share a few of the things that we see working, some of the things that aren't working that we need to stop doing so that you guys can ultimately find the greatest success in building an amazing team. So Jeremy, today we're going to talk about finding the right people. One of the biggest challenges I think business owners have is that not only are they just looking for as many people as they can find, but when they do show up, they're super disappointed. They're just shaking their head going, where where are these people coming from? Are you guys seeing that too? Absolutely. It seems like everybody says, well, it's unique in our industry that we're having that. And I'm working with law firms that are telling me that. I'm working with roofing companies that are telling me that. Working with tree companies that are telling me that. Working with insurance companies that are telling me that. (laughs) And it's pretty much like, okay, which one one of these are the unique ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hiring good help just seems to get harder and harder as we go along. Yeah. And I think there's a word that you use there that I always think about is good. Like good help, I think is what everybody wants because we can all find help. Most of the help though makes it more work for us. So let's focus on that good for a second. When you hear somebody saying, I need just need good people, or I just can't find good help. What is it that you're seeing? So what, there's a couple of things. They don't feel like, you know, it, it's actually interesting because it's rare that they ever mention the technical skills. You know, there might be a little bit of it. It might be the third or fourth thing when they're like, when they're frustrated about the, the interviews or the applicants are getting, but it's usually like they don't have any drive. They don't show up on time. They just, they're not a part of the team. They're disengaged. They've job hopped a lot, whatever that may be. There's a lot of those kind of qualities that, and ironically, like I said, some of these are in the professional services that we're having these conversations. Mm-hmm. So the blue collar feels like, well, you know, it's because I'm paying such a low rate or it's such a hard job. And it's like, well, I see people with college degrees that they're still struggling with the same thing. Yeah. It's interesting because everything you said right there isn't something we can really teach. Like, I wish that there was a quick 10 minute class I could send everybody to. It's like how to get to the, the work site on time or how to show up on time for the job. And those things that we can't teach can be really challenging if we're not looking for those things when we're looking for these good people. And I find that I look at a lot of job descriptions more than I probably should. And I would say, except for the rare exception, they never mention these things in the job description. They're just, you know, can you turn the wrench? Can you use this software? You know, can you look at these plans? Like that's the stuff that I see in the job descriptions. And I think that one of the biggest areas of opportunity is to just get really clear on defining good and being really clear about that upfront. 
So what's the advantage of putting that in a job description? I mean, isn't everybody just going to say they they are that? Well, one of the things about job descriptions is they are they they're an ad for your job. So if you think about the way other companies advertise a product or service, I mean, just think about a television commercial or a radio commercial, or we all see internet pop-ups. They're really looking to connect with someone at an emotional level. Most people don't leave jobs. They leave employers. We've all heard this before, but what's that mean? If I'm an iron worker today and I go to apply to be an iron worker somewhere else, I'm not switching jobs. I'm switching the person that signs my paycheck, which means I'm looking for a different employer. And that different employer, I'm hoping, has a better culture, treats me better. I have a boss that I like. And so that emotional component is so important. And that culture component is so important to job seekers that if we don't have those things there, they're going to just be applying for another job, applying to work somewhere else, but not really knowing if they're getting what they want out of that new opportunity. So by putting that there, we're going to is that help get by really defining what good is, putting some of those, those kind of behavioral things that'll be inside the company. Is that ex- getting us more applicants or getting us better applicants? What is that doing for the, us as a employer? So from my perspective, more applicants never solves the problem. We have to focus on quality applicants because I've never met an employer who said, hey, I want 100 more of the garbage applicants that I've been getting. They want to be able to find the good ones. So when you get more detailed in your job description or in your job ad, you're going to limit the number of applications that come in. But the upside is they should be higher quality. So that's really our focus is, I don't know about the people you work with, but I know a lot of, especially small business owners, they don't have time to look at a hundred applications. So we need to find them. We need to find an opportunity for them to look at five and all five they want to talk to and getting really clear on the culture, getting really clear on what good means is really going to help with that. Makes sense. I mean, it's just like marketing. I can, when you tell me that, that's what I went to thinking of, you know, there's a lot of times there's these whatever networks that you can turn on. If you're a service-based company, you'll get 200 leads from it. But the chance of closing anything is about one in 200. And and I'll see companies that were really hurting. They'll go for that just because they, they need to get something. Mm-hmm. But it's super expensive, not only in money, but in time and effort sifting through all that. If they could just get five solid leads and they, ha- they could sell three of those five, and they just tripled their sales, but they only got five leads versus 200. So I definitely have taken a lot of teams through that path on the marketing side. So it makes sense that we that's what we'd want on the hiring side too. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing about the job description there is the concept of A players. I don't, are you familiar familiar with that, Jeremy? I am, but let's ex- just explain it to everybody. Yeah. So there's this concept of A players. And A players, they're your rock stars. They're the ones that they show up. They put in a great day's work. They're productive. They're profitable. They don't create drama. Like you just wish you could clone them. Like I ask a lot of people, if you had a magic wand and you could clone, who would it be? And they're like, it's this guy. Like they know exactly who it is that they would clone. That's your A player. The problem with A players, this is a good and a bad thing, is A players like to play with A players. 
I don't know if you've ever been a part of a group project before, but I know I have where I pick up a lot of the slack and it just frustrates me because I'm doing a lot more work because the team is not contributing. And what happens is it makes my performance go down because I'm working harder to carry the team. So even though I might be an A player, I start looking like a B or a C player. You know, when you get to C player territory now, all of a sudden those are the people that if you could just find a good person, you'd replace them in a heartbeat. So the thing about A players is they like to play with other A players. You know, someone that's, I am not really akin into sports, but if you take your favorite sports athlete and you say, hey, we're going to put you on the worst team, how well is that going to work out? And so by being really clear in the job description, this is what we're looking for. This is who we're looking for. You can have this tendency to draw A players towards you because they want to play with other A players. And if they know that you're really clear on who you're looking for, and if you're really following through and hiring those kinds of people, they're going to be excited about the team that they're joining. You know, and I've seen it from a, a little bit different perspective than what you're sharing there, because you're really talking about how we put the ad out there. How do we make the pitch to the world? But I've also seen it at, um, from the inside as we work with the teams on transforming their culture, get creating that accountability. Those A players, when they start believing that they're playing on an A team, they begin telling more of their A players. And so something about the, the first little bit of getting that wheel to turn from C players with a few A players to an all-star A team, there's something in that where you first start doing some heavy lifting, but as that momentum builds, the team starts getting less and less tolerant to a C. And after a little while, they actually get less tolerant of a B minus and a B, and they can just keep up in that. And then they become way more protective of who you're letting in on the team because they only want A players and they're willing to go out there and kill it. So, you know, you're talking about it from the ad side of it, but I've also seen it as soon as we get that ad side, we get it coming in right make better hires we start changing the company the company starts it, it literally just begins to take on a life of its own from that point so yeah no you're going to benefit all the way around by making sure that you're really engaging these a players and setting them up for success and making sure that they're they're excited about the thing that they're on so you know we've talked a little bit about good we've talked a little bit about what people are looking for. And there's the, there's the culture component. There's this really this drive component to want to play on a team. Is there anything else, Jeremy, that you see when you're working with leadership teams? They're saying, okay, how do we get these teams really productive? Are there anything that you see with the existing team that works really well when it comes to, do we have the right people in the right seats? Are they on the right team? The first and foremost thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is, Honestly, just getting it very clear. What is everybody accountable for? It's surprising at how many people are out there doing their job all day long. They know what tasks they're supposed to perform, but they don't know what they're accountable for. There's a big difference there. Mm. If I just know I'm supposed to show up and do something, I'm supposed to put these papers over in this bin all day long. I'm supposed to fill out these things, <laughs> but it's not really, they don't understand what's the big picture of that. Why are we doing that? I find that they, we just get stuff just going through the motion. And we're frustrated as a leader about the results when we really haven't clearly articulated it. And when I mean clearly articulated, you know, you probably have job descriptions. I see those very, very often. But they have a very good detailed job description. They have all that stuff. But in, in all of that, the employee goes, okay, so what is that? 
And so I encourage the teams to get down to three to five things. And, you know, because we use EOS and, and within the EOS, uh, we're going to build out an accountability chart. And those three to five things, we just got to get it really clear. These are the things you're accountable for. And then we create some, some formal way of measuring what winning looks like with those through a scorecard. That really takes that team that's there and they start defining what winning is, looks like. You know, can you imagine if you started a, a basketball team like, hey, our goal is to get the ball in the hoop. Let's all just go get that. <laughs> they're all serious they're all ready to go yeah what's it look like as a game though man it's a chaos they're all down there trying to get that ball and throw it in that that hoop and but no one's playing any other position and so you need to do that with your your crews you need to do that with your whatever team you have i see them you know get to where they have a three-man crew and they'll be like there's really three positions on this crew. There's one that's leading, one's taking care of this part. When we get there, one's setting up the safety inspection, one's handling the customer, one's getting the, the production set up. Like everybody knows their roles. That team is going to maneuver through whatever they're trying to maneuver through faster, mm. especially when they know what winning looks like with it. And so that begins to protect your the back end of a bad hire. Because when you have teams starting to, to create that accountability and then somebody comes in that isn't playing like they should be playing, the rest of the yeah. team starts sticking their hands up like, hey, we're never going to win with this guy. <laughs> I love the way you break that down and just being really clear on not just, hey, here's the team, but here's the rules of the game. Here's what accountability looks like. And then finding ways to measure it. One of the things I encourage employers to do all the time is if you know how you're going to hold someone accountable and you know what success looks like, put it in the job description. Like when you put that ad out there, make that happen. Tell them right up front, this is what it's going to look like. This is how we're going to hold you accountable. Because remember my story back to those A players, they want to know that you're holding everybody else to the same level of accountability holding them. So just being super clear and open about that in your job description. And there's no rule that says you can't do that, by the way. I get pushback sometimes like, no, no, no. We're just supposed to put the skills that they need and those kinds of things. You can tell people exactly how you're going to hold them accountable. Why wait until they're on the job and that's not something they can do? You know, it's funny because, and it's almost not funny too, We def the HR law has definitely helped us to, to make sure that we are, as a country, have stepped up to the next level and taken care of the employees. And that's the intent of it. And we want to, we want to follow all of those. And there's some other opportunity there to really share with that employee what's life going to be like here. Because they need to be able to self-assess this. It's not just the employer. They need to look at it and say, is that what I really want to do with my life? Do I really want to work on a team like that? Mm. And I really believe that post-COVID, this is going to be one of those big transformational changes as we look at the next decade of employment. Before, you know, you hear those Y2K, uh, the millennials and all that stuff, Y2K, that's uh, dating me right there, right? But uh, <laughs> you hear about the millennials and all that stuff. I've really always believed that the millennial gap has been that they had the internet forever. And so they knew that there was way more job opportunities. And that was the part that we felt like they're asking questions that were like, why are they asking this at this point? I believe that that is going to multiply now that we've all gone to this hybrid virtual and i know sometimes blue collar feels like they're not in it but i am seeing blue collar come up with more hybrid virtual go directly to the job site don't come in things in this last year and so 
people are going to start really looking at, hey, there's a lot more options out there and getting clear now on where are we going? Like, why do I want to be part of this team? So we're going to see a lot more of that as we go. Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing, you know, I've heard you say this many times, Jeremy, and I echo it too. Just be open and honest with people. The internet's made it so that information can transfer so fast that if you're not and you're struggling with turnover or you're hiring people and then three weeks later you're firing them or they're walking off the job site because they didn't get what they thought they were going to get, word gets out, word spreads pretty quickly. And the internet has just really made it so easy for job seekers to be able to move on to look for something that looks a little bit better. And if you're not open and honest and you're not properly setting expectations and then meeting those expectations, you're going to struggle with this entire process for a long time. Absolutely. So, well, hey, Jeremy, I really enjoyed this. I mean, we could talk about this forever because I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there. I truly believe that good people are out there. You just got to go find them. So what I'd love to do if we have an opportunity to do this again is why don't we get together and talk about some of the interview questions that you should be asking to just validate that the people you're talking to are the right ones. I'm thinking we should do that in a future episode if if you're cool with that. That'd be fun. All right. Well, thanks, Jeremy. I really enjoyed it. And for anybody that's listening right now, If you want to get some more information about this, go check out bluecollarculture.com. We've got a bunch of resources out there for you. You can download a copy of our book, which is actually on interviewing so that you hire the ones you won't want to fire. We've also got some other worksheets and things that you can check out. And then, of course, share this podcast with anybody that you know that is struggling to hire, especially if they're in the trades. We just want to be a resource for them. Thanks, Jeremy. All right. Thank you, everyone. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to BlueCollarCulture.com.